Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today we have the brilliant Robbie Swale with us. Robbie is a leadership coach, author and a fellow podcaster whose work focuses on creativity, leading with honour and the craft of coaching. He has two podcasts, one the Coach's Journey podcast and the 12 Minute Method podcast. He talks more about that in a bit. And he's the author of the 12 Minute Method series of books, which is a brilliant way of getting the thing that you've always wanted to get done started. So I really hope this conversation resonates for you in some way. I hope it gives you some practical tools and tips to take away. Enjoy. Hello, Robbie. Welcome to Do Good and Do Well. How are you today? Yeah, I'm pretty good, Sarah. Um, thanks for having me. I'm a little. My fingers are a little bit cold. I just noticed I'm sitting on my fingers. That's quite a little boy <laughs> thing to do, isn't it? But my fingers are a little bit cold. The heating is warming up this room as we speak, so I'll probably be too warm by the end. But no, I'm good. You'll be sweating. You. I'll. I'll be. Yeah. 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 I. Um. We haven't got the heating on yet. We're trying to go for as long as possible. But I do have my slippers on and my blanket, so I'm. Yeah, I'm nice and comfy. Important. Yeah, Very if I could have a fire just by the side, yeah. that would be bad. Yeah, be good for um, podcast background noise as well. Yeah. You know, crackles every now and again. <laughs> that would be nice. You, yeah. could, you, could, you could just next podcast. You can just say that you are you've done you've moved into a different room with a fire and just have like a little, uh, you know, like your TV or you know, you yeah, it on your yeah, phone, the sound fire effect. sound. <laughs> I might do that I did say to you earlier didn't I, I had to kick the dog out because she yeah. she was cleaning herself and I thought mm, no this is not a sound that people want to hear on this podcast anyway well, fire crackling might be fire crackling is more more comfortable probably Robbie first question can you share a bit about yourself who are you what do you do tell us so I had a, a funny uh, realization earlier this year now I'm gonna probably gonna do that instantly after saying this that I I realized I'd, I'd got to a point about seven years into this, the stuff that I do now, where I didn't anymore feel the need to say. And before I did this, I used to do and talk about that, right? So it's like an interesting thing, I think, when you start something new, where for a while I used to kind of say, well, now I work as a coach. And before that, I worked in this and that and did this. And now yeah. it's like, it's fine. I can just say the things I do now, which is lovely. So I, I work as a coach mostly, but also do some training and facilitation as people who do work with people in one one way often end up doing some of it in in others too and I am also a writer and a podcaster Um, and again those are different identities that I have adjusted to over the years and the way that I think about my work mostly these days the things that I'm interested in in my work is there are kind of three parts of it Um, I'm really interested in leadership um, and there's a few reasons for that, but but one of the things I often find myself doing leadership work on, and I do that, a lot of my one-on-one work is leadership work, but also some of the group work I do it across sectors, all kinds of people in different scales of organizations. It's kind of how I like it. But one of the themes I noticed showing up uh, was this kind of question that would often come or, or the challenge that people would often bring to the work with me is something like this. Um, I kind of know where I want to get to, but I believe that to get to that point, I have to do some things that I don't want to do. <laughs> yes. um, and I have to, you know, and on a deep level, that's sometimes like I'm gonna, I have to actually compromise yeah. who I am to get to that place. Mm. And I don't believe that that's ever the case. So the and the thought experiment, therefore, the the work is often how do we help you get to the place you want to get to that new level of success without having to compromise who you are, being able to do it in mm. line with with what you actually how you, how you actually believe things should be done. Yeah. Um, 
So that's the leadership piece. I'm also really interested in creativity in the kind of broadest possible sense. So one of the things that I get interested in, because this is my story, right, is why do we sometimes really want to do something, start something, make something happen from nothing? Sometimes a, a creative pursuit, classic creative pursuit, like writing or mm. um, uh, you know, music or something like that. But sometimes something that's definitely creative, but not classically thought of as creative, like starting a business. Why do we sometimes yeah. really want to do those things for sometimes for a long time? No, we do deep down, but don't do anything about that. And how do we help people bridge that gap between I want to do this thing and finally doing it? And that's a chunk of my work is about that. That's what my books are about. Mm. Um, and then I'm also really interested in the craft of coaching. So I just think it has so much to offer. So many of the challenges that humans face in the 21st century, coaching can be a valuable part of the solution too. And so I do have some work, I have a podcast for coaches and I have some work around supporting other coaches and I sometimes do coaching training and, and things mm. like that as well. Mm. So yeah, that's what I do really. Mm. Leadership, creativity, coaching. How did you arrive at this place? I'm interested. Yeah, um, well, I should say how I arrived at talking about it like that was I just thought about it one day and thought oh maybe I'll start trying to talk about it like that for a bit and see if that lands mm. and it felt really good and yeah so I've kept doing it talking about it like that for quite a while I think mm. I thought for a long time I had to have one thing um, yeah. and then I realized that that's a made-up story isn't it I don't have to do that I can do whatever the heck I like when yeah. someone asks who, who I am and what I do and I can talk about three things if I want so to a certain extent that's that's how I mm -hmm. I had a kind of the first decade of my career, I dotted around quite a lot. I, it was quite stressful at the time. I had, you know, a few different things that I did. Um, and every time I changed, that felt quite stressful. Um, because I was like, well, no, I don't have to leave this thing behind as well, do I? You know, not again, essentially. And, and the biggest chunk of that was in arts and culture, um, mm. which, yeah, we were just comparing mutual people that we knew from, from previous careers before we switched on the recording and and then and when that ended or was coming to an end I was thinking a lot about the kind of unused parts of me or the ways in which I wasn't one of the things that happened for me for example when I used to be the manager of a chunk of that time was I was the manager of a, a couple of art centers in in North Yorkshire I was living at the time okay. in lots of ways I, I'd worked quite hard to get into those get into those roles and for a while I thought in the back of my mind oh I'll like the, the future looked like moving to more influential, more impactful venues, you know, one day end up at the South Bank Centre or Sheffield Theatres would be a great dream. And at some point I realised that would be a terrible thing if that happened to me, essentially. I, I don't remember when that was, but essentially I kind of had this insight when I look back on that time now, which was I was really proud of and loved the things that I helped to make happen. So I'm so glad that it, Otley, I was a part of Otley in West Yorkshire's um, oh, art centre yeah. history. Yeah. And I always will be now as long as it's still there. And, and thankfully it survived the pandemic. So uh, I'm so proud of that. And I'm so pleased that I was part of that and the volunteers and the audience members and all the people that were impacted. But the actual doing the work, I often didn't enjoy that much. And it actually kind of drained me of energy. Some of it did anyway. Mm -hmm. So the, the question, as I, as my, I had a kind of, as many people do, late 20s, early 30s had a kind of um something's off in lots of areas of my life and a, and, a, and a reset and um a part of that was what's the work that the actual work I'll be proud of the impact and I'll be proud of the actual work that I'm doing mm. day to day minute to minute ideally and that in the end after some false stuff you know I found my way to people through that like I was a quite you know I don't know it'd be interesting if if any of my staff from 
uh, Leon or Thalton uh, are listening, like if, you know, if they think this, I felt like I was a, looking back, quite a mediocre line manager. Example of this, we had wonderful one-to-ones. Like we came out of the one-to-ones feeling like full of energy, me and my team members usually, but we did them once every like six months or year. Um, and it's just like, ah, oh, you know, what was that about? And when, as I looked back on that period, though, I spotted a pattern of stuff to do with people. So after some false starts, I found coaching mm. about seven years ago, started my coaching business. And essentially it's been a process of experimentation since then. I didn't know how that yeah. would end up. I could, there's yeah. no way I could have predicted. And if I tried to predict those three things that I said to you a few minutes ago, uh, seven years ago, I wouldn't have done it. And even if I had, it wouldn't have worked. I mean, yeah. it had to be found by uh, all kinds of, of stages in that journey. Yeah, that it sounds so familiar to my journey, for want of a better word, <laughs> really, that, you know, I loved my work. I really, you know, and I felt like I worked for a great organization and it was family friendly. I had two small children at the time. It was, there were so many things. It ticked so many boxes, but there was something that just didn't sit right anymore for me. And, and and I yeah I came into coaching not I you know I did a course I didn't think that I was going to run my own business in fact I'd spent probably about twenty years going oh I could never be freelance oh I could never run my own business and um and then launched you know my practice March twenty twenty <laughs> which is a great time to launch a business but it didn't look you know I I had imagined in my head it would look face to face it would look you know quite working with locally. But the whole pandemic shifting online has utterly changed. I could never have predicted that. And there's something quite exciting about that because then I think to the future and I think, well, what am I, what am I not able to predict yeah. now? <laughs> like, oh, and and I love what you said about how you landed on those sort of three things. And you know, it does take practice. And in fact, in the group program I run for freelancers, we were just talking about how you describe yourself as a freelancer. Like, what does consultant mean? What does a coach mean? What do, and and actually, why can't we be more than one thing? Because actually, most freelancers are more than one thing. So to try and pin it down, do we really need to to do that? And I love that the way that you described your work because you're not necessarily talking about what you do you know all the things that you do but you're talking about you know how and and what you want to achieve through those things yeah absolutely you know I really owe a debt of you know I've stolen and borrowed and been inspired by so many people and one of my former coaches a guy called Rich Litvin I owe a lot of that to him so when he you know, what I remember, one of the things I remember Rich kind of teaching me was, you don't have to accept the premise of the question, what do you do, mm. right? And you can just say, Rich was funny, but he would always catch people and do this, be like, the, the bridge from what do you do to anything you want to talk about is, it's funny you should ask. You know, you can just basically say that. And then you'd say after that, so what do you do? It's funny you should ask. And then you can say anything, right? You can do what I did, which is say, you know, in a way I, I kind of said, what's more interesting than what I do is what I'm interested in. Mm. And here's what I'm interested in. Um, or you can say, um, well, it's funny you should ask. The last piece of work that I was doing before I got here was X. Mm. And the way I think about that question, after quite a lot of reflection and back in, you know, back in the days where we did meet people face to face more, you know, what I wanted from my answer to the question, what do you do? Or tell me about yourself is, you know, for, for the right people to be curious to ask me more about something. 
So if I just say I'm a coach, well, I can say about three things. One of them is like, what is coaching? Another is, oh, here's my experience of coaching. Yeah. The third option is just like what most people do, which is a kind of like, oh, <laughs> you know, and, and that's yeah. a perfectly valid response. And or they might say, what kind of coach? Which yeah. is a kind of like, yeah. you know, the small talk way of saying, I want to have something polite to say, but I don't know what, and so I'm going to ask for that. Yeah. You know, and so the the nice thing about me just talking about leadership, creativity, and coaching is that gives people three opportunities to be interested in something. Mm. Um, now, it probably took me like three minutes or something, maybe longer, I talk a lot, um, to say that to you. And so it's not for everyone at every time. And sometimes yeah. I say, yeah. well, what I'm most interested in at the moment is and just choose one of them. And probably if this was a podcast for coaches, I would have spoken mostly about that. If it was mm. a podcast for only leaders or, you know, mm. it's like, because I know that you are interested in all those things, I, you know, and because I ended up accidentally saying all of them, you know, yeah. it's not really thought through. It's just, yeah, but it's like, you're right. Like humans are complex mm. and in a way, no, no answer to tell me about yourself is going to hold the complexity of a human, but especially going to a job title, which we're so used to doing because it is a useful shorthand. Well, I think also, you know, if we're, if we're putting on our business mindset as, as freelancers running our own business, whatever you want to call it, you know, there needs to be a bit of agility about how you describe what you do because you want to connect. You know, ultimately, if you, if you know, we're here in this context, but you might be in a meeting where you might have potential clients that are in that room with you. And so it's really kind of understanding how you can connect with those people so it makes sense for you, but also for those for those people as well to go, ah, okay, then as you say, it's that hook, isn't it? Ah, I'm interested in that as well. And maybe we need to like, have a... Or it might be like, oh, Alice is really interesting. Oh, the way he yes. talked about that then. Because in a way, Sarah, we are in a room now with, with other people yeah. who might be clients. Yeah. Right? Both of us are, because there's people listening. And yeah, like it could be, yeah, like, oh, there's the connection. Exactly like you say with the person across the room. But it could also be, oh, and you know who's interested? Oh, that thing he said mm -hmm. about not having started the business. That's a bit like my sister and her idea for that cafe. Yeah. Maybe I should just see, look into him a bit more and then find the thing. And that's kind of what you hope. And you're right. Mm. Like, I think that things I feel like I've learned from seven years of freelance business is there are a lot of things that people tell you you need to do, mm -hmm. you need to do to grow a freelance business. But there are actually very few things that you have to do. So it doesn't matter what people say, but there are a few things that if you don't do them, it's almost impossible to have a freelance business. Yeah. One of them is connecting with people. Like if you don't ever connect with anyone in any way, it's not impossible. There are some kind of like dropping freelance websites that you could maybe get away without really connecting with somebody, but it's pretty hard. It's hard but, work, Whereas yeah. the other way around, if you connect with a lot of people in some ways, as long as you're doing some talking about your business, you almost can't help but have some clients if you connect mm. with enough people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of, so I asked this question on every episode, what does do good and do well mean for you? And I wonder whether you can talk about it through the lens of, you know, having a freelance business and being self-employed. You know, what does that phrase mean to you? So the first thing is it makes me think of a guy called Jordan Hall, who I saw speak at an event once. He's a strange character. If you watch some of him on YouTube, you have to like watch about, it takes about 20 minutes for me to like settle into his way of thinking which is quite alien to me but usually people who think really differently you know it's like I, I, I've got a connection who's really interested in neurodiversity and it's like 
you know, if you think really differently, you see different things. And that's really painful when you kind of want to be, you want to fit in. Mm-hmm. But in the end, the reason, reason Jordan Hall is interesting to me is because he thinks in a really interesting way. And he was once asked a question at an event I was at. It's a great question. It was like, in the face of all these crises on the planet, what can we do? And the other people on the panel gave really smart answers. And then Jordan Hall said this thing, which felt like it was just like a different level of answer. And what he said is, in the face of complexity, basically, he's thought a lot. He said, I've thought about this for about, it was a great, great response. He said, I thought about this for about 10 years. Would you like to hear what I've come up with? (laughs) Thankfully, the person was like, yes, please (laughs) tell us this thing. And he said, in the face of complexity, there are really like two things we can do in the face of the crises of the planet. And um, he is more pessimistic. I mean, he's an optimistic guy, but he's, you know, he really believes there are a lot of crises and has done a lot of thinking about that. Yeah. Two things you can do. Work out the thing that you can do that nobody else can do. The, mm-hmm. the, that unique mix of your where your experience, good things and bad things that have happened to you, things you've practiced, what that is. And then do the work on yourself so you can be what he calls being sovereign, which essentially means being able to manage yourself in the face of difficult things that are happening. And mm-hmm. the reason that's important is because that's how you can be sure. So the problem in complexity is a lot of the things we do to try and help can have unexpected impacts and can make things worse. You know, know, one of the like tragedies of the environmental movement is the times when really well-meaning policies have done damage, Mm. uh, unexpected damage in unexpected parts of the world. And that's because you can't control it because it's all a complex system. But you can do that if you've done as much work on yourself to understand yourself and be sovereign, be centered as much time as possible, you can be as sure as you can be that the things you're doing are making things better and not worse. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that that is the reverse of do good, do well. That is do well, which is like find that place where you can make the biggest possible contribution. Mm-hmm. And then do good, which is um, do everything you can to understand yourself and how you are so that you're making things better and not worse. And then in a freelance sense, that's like one of the really interesting things about having a freelance portfolio. Mm-hmm. If you think about that first bit of what, what he says, um, the, the unique mix of things that only you can do. Well, if we all had to have a job that was advertised with a like with a job description, the chances of that fitting exactly with what a single human can do is much less likely than if I start a, a freelance career seven years ago, you start one two years ago, we both just evolved them. We're both constantly that, you know, selecting for what we enjoy, what we seem to be good at, what people will pay us for. And people are doing the same thing with us. Often, especially if we're thinking about this, and I've been thinking about this in my work quite a lot, because it's part of what I go into this for, we're going to end up somewhere in that space where we're doing things almost as well as we could. And that's one of the, that's one of the things that brought me to this. Like I said, I had this sense that was, I wasn't quite getting well used or as well used by my work as I, I could be given everything I could do. And it's been one of the themes of my career. The times I've moved and changed ideas has been often, oh, there's this whole bit of me that's not getting used here. What's that about? And how can I, how can I use it? So that's quite a long answer to that question. Mm-hmm. So what, but it is, it's a, it, it's a complicated, it, well, the thing I love about it, that the answers are always so different. For some people, it's a very simple phrase that may you know that can easily be made sense of but there is also a lot of complexity underneath it you know even to the well, what is good <laughs> what yeah. do we mean by good and um, and whose good is it and what do we mean by well and whose well is it 
And yeah, I think that's what's fascinating is that, and what I love is that all of these ideas that come into play, the bit that really resonated with me when you were talking then was that idea of really being able to center yourself and manage yourself as best you can. You know, I do think that in a freelance sense, you know, when we talk about leadership, people will often say, well, but I'm not leading anyone. I'm not, I don't have a team, you know, I'm not delegating because it's often a, a business of one. But what I, you know, what I'm trying to support people with is thinking about how do you lead yourself in that? How do you really master the how, the how you want to work? And, and often for freelancers, you know, if you're going from, say, you were an employee and now you're running your own business, there feels like there's all these invisible rules that we're, you know, that people are still trying to stick to, that you've got to work these hours and you've got to have, you know, you've got to be an email all the time and you've got, you know, whatever it is. And I suppose when you were talking about that, well, what is it that if you can really tune into yourself and think, what is it that really matters to me? You know, what are my ideas? What are my what's my vision and then really think about how you do that in the best way that makes sense to you the way you feel centered and you feel grounded so that when the when the ground shakes which it inevitably will that you can you know stand as strong as possible or if you get knocked down you get back up again and continue on that that road yeah so much in what you've just said there I think it is one of the most important things to do really to do the work on ourselves it's like uh i don't know if you get this <laughs> i think every year so far like it hasn't happened this year yet so maybe it won't happen this year you know it's the autumn now so it's possible i'll get through the rest of the year but every other year in my time as a, as a freelancer as a self-employed person as an, an entrepreneur i've had at least one time where i've been like oh this has got to stop i've got to get a job like what is the point of this this is not worth it uh, a month ago yeah exactly so i so this may be if this is the first year that it happens that it doesn't happen that will be a cause for celebration but i think more than anything it'll be a sense of chance that it doesn't happen in a year because the ground as you said very wisely like the ground will shake under you in your life the only time that stops happening is at the end of our life when we don't have a life anymore like mm. otherwise it's going to happen and it's going to happen yeah. regularly and so so really in some ways it'd be luck I think that it hasn't happened so much this year so I think having your own business is a is a great personal development exercise right if you want to learn <laughs> yeah. a lot about yourself the only I mean maybe having children is a better one having trying to have a long-term relationship is a really good one as well if you want to kind of learn a lot about yourself do mm. those three things but um yeah being centered very important especially I think well I think for both because it because of course I know that a thing that you care about and I do too is how do we how do we help people who care a lot mm. make their work, which is really important, sustainable. So yeah. if you're trying to do good, how do you do that without? And I've got a friend who does a lot of work with people in the environmental movement and sees this a lot. It happens, I used to work in arts and culture and leadership, and, and it happens a lot there. I mean, it happens mm. everywhere that people really care. If you care a lot, you want to give a lot. And and then there's this question like that, you know. What happens if you give too much? And mm. again, that personal growth, that centeredness, that's one of the things I think which enables us to cope through those times mm. as well. Mm. Yeah, I think there are many times, well, not many times, there are times when it just feels hard. It feels hard and tricky and 
there are two things that I would do at, at those moments. Two, maybe three things. The first is I speak to my my coach or speak to someone who I can just like go. I'm really struggling. Like I just don't know what my next step is, or I feel stuck, or like I I I just ah help basically ask for help. And then the second is to go back to my why, go back to why I did this in the first place, you know, and it was because I wanted, I wanted to challenge myself. I wanted to see if I could run a successful business. I wanted to have a business that, that served me, not the other way around. I wanted to make more money than I could do working in um, arts and culture, you know, and, and so when I'm having those moments, those are the centering bits for me you know, to really just get back to the core and then take a next step, like yeah. do the next thing, because otherwise you can just sit in your head too much and overthink it. But if I take action, then I can somehow move forward, which reminds me your 12 minute method that I mean, that's about taking action, isn't it? And about doing something. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, I think it's like really it's connected into everything we're talking about, really. Um, So I'll tell the story of it really briefly. It, essentially, about six years ago, I was working with my coach and essentially doing this work that we're talking about, like looking at the things that I found really difficult and trying to be more like a higher higher version of myself, a more, a more centered version of myself in mm. those times. And one of them was like posting anything online. I was finding that oh. incredibly difficult. I mean, at the time, you know, it wasn't like stuff that I'd made so much. I mean, that was hard, but it was even like, I was changing my relationship to social media was changing. Like I had found it quite a fun place to be, and I was finding it a really anxious place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joel, my coach at the time, and I created a a practice which was going to be on my train journey from Clapham Junction to Waterloo in London. Um, over the next two weeks, I was going five times, and on each of the days that I was going, I was going to write a little article on the train, write while the train's moving, stop when it stops, proof it once, post it online, mm-hmm. post it on LinkedIn because no one reads LinkedIn. That's what I thought, and. Um, <laughs> It was more true in 2016 than yeah. now. I think it's, it's quite a good blogging platform now. And that didn't feel fun. And it didn't feel nice. But it kind of, by the end of those two weeks, I knew something was up with it. Mm. Like, I guess the way I think about it now is it probably, it felt good. It felt like the right thing to be doing. And so I decided to make it into a weekly practice. And essentially, I've been doing it now for more than six years. And at some point, I stopped getting the train as much. So I checked how long the train journey was, and it was 12 minutes that day, although it's funny because it's very arbitrary, the 12-minute method, which is now a big part of the work I do, because the train is rarely 12 minutes from Waterloo to Clapham Junction, which is the the journey I was on that day. And um, it's often 7 or 13 or 15, (laughs) all kinds of things. So it could have been any any number. That's perfect, right? Because the number doesn't really matter. I mean, so what what I do now is I set a timer for 12 minutes, right while the timer's going, stop when it stops proofread it once and post it and and they're still on LinkedIn but they're also on my website now because it's a bit easier to navigate and um, 12 minutes it turns out is a pretty good number if you want to have a writing practice but it doesn't have to be and one of the things that still amazes me about that is about three years in for various reasons including the fact that LinkedIn they were only on LinkedIn at the time the blogs and and LinkedIn is a really hard place to read it's hard for me to find my own blogs on LinkedIn let alone for somebody who wanted to read my blogs to find them I realized, oh, and then I saw someone um, had published a book of their blog, basically. And I was like, oh, I could do that. That'd be fun. And I thought it'd be funny because I could call it, I wrote this book in 12 minutes. And it turned out that I'd written 80,000 words, 12 minutes a week over three years. So there's like 130, 140 of these articles, 80,000 words. And um, what 
my friend who was going to help me with the editing said was like, that's a, that's a fun title. I wrote this book in 12 minutes because it's kind of in your face. And it says, look, if Robbie can write a book in 12 minutes, what's your excuse for not doing that thing you've been meaning to do? But he asked, can the book do that itself? And this was a really interesting moment. Like I sat down with my coach at that point. There's a woman called Katie Harvey. And we, we, we thought about it. And she helped me think about the, if I was going to sit down and try and help somebody do a thing they've been meaning to do for a long time, what are the stages that they would have to go through? And I wrote them out four of them and then I sat down with like all 130 printed off blog posts and I dealt them out and what was amazing was if you take out like five or six and a couple a few that are duplicates they actually pretty much went exactly into these four stages and that is the those were going to be the four parts of that one book in the end I decided it was it was better more accessible to have them as four separate books and actually mm, better okay. it's a better business model as a, yeah an author as well but yeah. um but you know I had a conversation the other day with somebody who was like so the, the stages are the four books in the 12 minute method series so you have to start yeah you have to keep going you, know, you have to not quit if you want to make something happen you have to at some point share your work if you want it to make a difference and if you want to do great work like if you want to do that thing that Jordan Hall was talking about, do the absolute best work you can, then you probably at some point want to think about how you create the conditions for your best work. Mm. And that's the third book in the series because it felt weird not to have share last. But it is the fourth most important of those four stages because the three most important conditions for doing great work are to start it, to keep it going and at some point share it with other people. Yeah. And then the reason that one of the reasons it's a series is I, you know, it was a great example. I had a conversation with somebody the other day who said, oh, yeah, I'm a great starter, but it's the keeping going. That's the hard mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, the lesson, there, I guess, the, well, there are a bunch of lessons in there about that that are relevant to what we're doing now. One, though, is like small action regularly can lead to amazing things. 12 minutes of writing once a week. Sometimes people confuse it with daily. No, no. Once a week. Yeah for three years was 80,000 words. So it's like, where else is that? And actually one of my podcasts, I have a 12 minute method podcast where I'm investigating the other things that are a bit like that, that have happened in my life. And, and like that I've done, that I've wanted to do for a long time. And of course there are others that I wanted to do and didn't do or haven't yeah. done, but the ones that I have done, it's like, what do they have in common? And how can we learn lessons from that about why we sometimes don't do the things that, mm. that we want to? I, I guess the 12 minute method stuff, Sarah, it also kind of resonates with all of this work that you're doing because, well, first of all, it's about like, how do we, like, it's better to do a little bit of good every week for a long time than to do no good because it feels too overwhelming. And for me, it's like a tortoise and hare story. Yeah. So it's like, for example, if, you know, I hope that my writing does good. Um, I hope that even just one person reads each article and it has some tiny positive impact on them. When I started out writing, there were people that I really admire and respected who inspired my writing, who had written a lot more articles than me, probably for good reasons. They haven't consistently written articles in at the speed they were writing. And I have now written more than them mm-hmm. by doing one a week for six years. The other thing is that, that occurs to me is like these things that we want to do deep down and haven't been doing whether that's a change in ourselves or a business or a creative project or a book or something different. I haven't yet had anyone say one of those to me that didn't tilt the world a little bit towards the good stuff or the true stuff or the beautiful stuff. There's something in those creative impulses around doing good, which is, which is important. And yeah. And when it comes to, I like, I like what you said earlier, just one more thought. 
about how do we know what good is and whose definition of good i don't know the answer to that mm. and so i'm more than happy that's why that work is work for everyone really yeah like because it's like i don't know who's got the thing yeah <laughs> the really yeah. good thing the really well that'll make much more difference than my <laughs> thing but if i can help them just do that little tiny step to start then that's that's very exciting and mm. um, i love it when you find you know the pandemic um so she's oh, taking it down and packed it up because we're about to move house <laughs> i had this lovely like in the pandemic somebody stopped that couldn't go to their job because of the lockdowns and they made this beautiful handmade models of characters from some of my favorite books and i just love it when those things mm. happen which definitely improves my yeah. life and, yeah yeah i mean there's so much in what you said there yeah (laughs) i just think that idea of consistency like the idea of taking a step and doing it consistently can be amazing especially so if i'm thinking about you know the people i work with who they see injustice they see that there is something wrong with the world either they 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 they're in it that they've experienced it themselves or they they're really very close to it and they're they're observing it and it might be on a micro scale of something like an organization could do better or it could be something in their local community or it could be on a macro scale you know this is something the world that needs to happen in the whole world but there is that fear of showing up to say those things the fear of not uh, of someone judging them because I love the fact that you only proof it once I'm like a big believer in progress over perfection and when I write my newsletter I only give myself a certain amount of time because it's more than 12 minutes though but I might try the 12 minute thing that might be better um but you know otherwise I just will spend I mean, I'm not a perfectionist. I've never been a perfectionist, thank goodness. But, you know, I I don't want to overthink it. I just want to get it out. I want to get it out because then it's just there and people will judge it. I, I can't control that. And so it's that idea of having something very small, tangible, that there's consistency, that you have a kind of ground rules, a framework that you follow each time. It just takes some of that thinking out of it, it takes some of the overthinking out. And it builds confidence, isn't it? It's that that it's building that self-efficacy of going, well, I don't know what actually this I don't know what's going to come from this, but I do know I can do it. You know, I don't know how to solve it, but I know that I can do something. And so I think it's such a good method to bring it really like pair it back and just be thinking to yourself, what what is it I can do that's consistent and regular? and helps me to feel safer in this pursuit because I think you know your example of saying you know there is something I think sometimes I feel where it's almost it's it's like where's my voice gone (laughs) like I'm looking at LinkedIn I'm like I really want to reply I really want to write something in this comment box here that somebody said but there's something stopping me like literally I feel like I've got no voice but by going into LinkedIn regularly which I do now and I just comment on you know three or four posts it just eases it a little bit yeah yeah I mean the the self-efficacy point is is a really important part of this like um I think there's kind of there's two things to say about this so there's one from like a 
an individual point of view about that kind of feeling that you're talking about or the, the yeah the, the kind of feeling of what the feeling of being judged holding us back and there's another thing about making a difference to overwhelming problems so i'll do the first one first which is that practice for me interestingly that became the 12 minute blog it wasn't really a writing practice right it was mm. a practice in getting comfortable sharing stuff that i've made online mm. and it did not happen overnight right it took years i am now basically so if you think about it what i really set out to be and this is a great way to plan some kind of regular consistent practice if you want to transform yourself is like I wanted to be someone who could essentially share stuff that they thought or about themselves online without it feeling horrible. Yeah. And we set out, we made a practice to do that, which was write a thing in 12 minutes, essentially on the train and then in 12 minutes, you know, in the end once a week. And over six years that has happened. I am that person now. Like I have changed. It didn't happen overnight though. I remember posts three, four years in for sure that were like, had a lot of energy it's like am I really going to write this am I really going to share it and so but they were less frequent by that point and they're even less frequent now mm -hmm. so we we can change and a, and a good thing to a good way to think about that is um who would I like to be in five years yeah what would that what does that person do regularly and then how can I do that in a way that what did you say that I can do in a consistent regular way mm -hmm. there's a 12 minute practice for you if you can email it might be 20 minutes or 30 minutes yeah. or an hour it doesn't yeah. really matter as long as it's a number you're confident you can do mm. every week and I, you know I really think there are so many impacts from this writing practice on me personally on how I've changed and grown and be become who I am mm. that, that is is very hard to like even talk about because there's been so much that's changed mm. so that's one piece and then the other piece about the overwhelming problems if you want to kind of use the same idea to uh, to attack that is it's to think here's an overwhelming thing Basically, it's to get start getting obsessed about what is enough, mm -hmm. I think. So it's like, for me to feel like I'm doing my bit this week to do with this big thing, perhaps this big injustice, what's enough? Like, mm -hmm. and, and one of the ways to think about that is, what's one, like, what's the thing that I know will make a difference? That if enough people did it enough times, mm -hmm. a dent would happen in this challenge, in this injustice. Yeah. And then that's the task then mm. to just stick with that now it's it's to just stick with that is like a huge thing which we could have a whole nother conversation about because <laughs> yeah in a way the thing the most transformational thing about me for me about the 12 minute practice is i now know i'm someone who can choose a practice and stick with it for six mm. years i've got to be honest sarah i only had this insight this year mm. when i was working on the second book the keep going book but like that actually changes pretty much everything about mm. what seems possible in life because if I believe, as I do, that most things are about practice and that most changes happen, you know, they don't happen through one fell swoop and one amazing day or week. They happen with consistent stuff over years. And I know that if I choose to practice something or do something regularly, I can keep it going for basically as long as I want. Mm -hmm. And almost everything, it, it becomes possible. I just yeah. have to choose the right thing now yeah. Yeah. to last for the long term. I think what I'm hearing is that, you, you know, you were really obsessed with the process it wasn't necessarily, it didn't start with the outcome. It was, you know, really getting obsessed with the process of the of the practice of like doing it in that way. And then, and trusting that something would 
come from it and I that is really exciting to hear you say like what's possible like I've realized that I am that person so actually the vision that I might have for my life my business whatever can be really expansive you know I can really step into that because this is this is possible um yeah and and, and you're right about process like um my my investigation on the 12 minute method podcast has been that's been one of the things that's kept coming back for me. Now, I've got to say, this is me. Like, I'm doing yeah. an investigation to myself, right? Yeah. Um, now, I have read. I have worked with lots and lots of clients, and I have read the work of many people who have done more mm. kind of speech marks official research than than me. Yeah. Um, but detaching from so outcome attachment to a particular outcome is a classic a overwhelm and b reason for procrastination mm. for me. And mm. obsessing about the process, you're absolutely right. You know, it has enabled me to get into action much more mm. but, but i also think if we're if we're humble enough like we've talked before we don't we, it's the start of the conversation isn't it it's like we don't know where things are going to turn out mm. like i'm not a god <laughs> i can't know what will actually make a difference in the world like i've got no idea what will solve the problems people talk about about environment or about race or about all mm. these things we might have mm. right i've got no idea about that but i i can get into the granular detail of my corner of the world and go is there a good thing i can do here Mm. and what will be good for me as a human to grow and develop mm. and those are both those mm. things which are going back to Jordan Hall it's like that that's in a way do good and do well again I think mm. um there's a question I've been wanting to ask you which is some of the things you've talked about so you've talked a lot about working with other coaches and you know you've been running this business what six years when we talk about that idea of you know being really grounded being ourselves doing the work, you know, feeling more expansive about what's possible. What's the thing that you've really invested in that's enabled all of that to happen? Because it doesn't just happen, does it? You know, that does take time and energy and effort and motivation and a thought to begin with if I want to do that. like So what have, for people who want to grow their practice, their, their work, what would you suggest investing in? I mean, look at it at a high level so there's, there's probably two ways to answer that on a kind of simple level um i like some form of reflective practice so i've used coaching um, and that means that every time bad stuff is happening speech marks bad stuff i'm struggling i'm in the lull i'm in the dip i'm thinking about quitting i'm learning from that mm. especially if your work is about you as a human like if, if you're like a if you're the instrument of the work then that's like the best investment you can ever do because mm-hmm. you and, and it's true for everyone really because you're never going to leave yourself behind mm-hmm. right again until the end you're going to be stuck with yourself so you might as well invest in it so that that's one but what that's really <laughs> helped me do is to continue to do things that scare me you know i think that that's the posting things online that's those articles that made me squirm four years in you mm-hmm. know it's like publishing books now it's like each of those things helps me grow and if you think about that self-efficacy thing you were talking about that's what happens right we do the Mm. thing the self-efficacy the confidence comes after Mm. really 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 like cannot be overstated the importance of this thing right the confidence comes after and what you need before is courage which is acting Mm. in the face of fear it's Mm. just like the one of the most important things Yeah, and the the word courage comes from heart, doesn't it? Core is heart. And so investing in our heart, investing in ourselves, enables us to get some of that courage, which then 
has that knock-on effect and yeah I think that's yeah that's a really lovely way of thinking about it um we could have probably about 10 episodes on this <laughs> podcast but we're gonna um sum it up so how can people find out about you how can they how can they read your books how can they access your podcast tell us all the things so the best place to go is my slightly unwieldy now website www.robbyswale.com I say unwieldy because it wasn't planned right I just started it <laughs> doing the minimum yes. viable website seven years ago and now it's where it is does need to be does need someone smarter than me to um, get hold of again and I think make it more, more manageable but you will find everything on mm-hmm. there or linked to from there mm-hmm. um, if people want the podcasts they're on all the podcast places I'm sure wherever people are listening to this, it'll they'll be there. So the one for coaches is the coach's journey. Um, mm-hmm. And that's conversations with coaches about essentially an investigation into, you know, there, there are a thousand ways you can run a coaching business. And so they, you know, what, what are the ways that some people have done that to give us the chance to really choose one that's right for us? Yeah. And everyone's will be different. And the 12 minute method one I've talked about as well. You can find the books. They're on Amazon, but they're also on, in the UK, they're on Waterstones and Blackwell's websites, places like that. I think in theory, you can go into those places and order them. I doubt they're stocking them because they've never heard of me until they've listened to this show. If you're a Waterstones buyer listening, then I <laughs> recommend you buy my books in. Um, yeah, and and I'm on social media as well. The place I go mostly these days is LinkedIn because mm. I've been going there for six years to posting these articles. So it's become my social media home. Yeah. Love to hear from people that have heard me on, on, on the show. Just let me know that you heard me on the show, that you're not going to try and sell me some LinkedIn funnel because I sometimes ignore people I suspect might do yeah. that. So especially important to let me know you heard me on the show if your job title on LinkedIn is LinkedIn salesman. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I'd love to hear from people really. Like I... I love those reflections. And, and when I've thought in the last year about like what are the most meaningful things for me, one of them is with the 12 minute method in mind is people who, could, you know, like the most meaningful feedback I can get is someone saying, I've been meaning to do or wanting to do this thing for a long time. And then I came across your work or I heard you talking to Sarah and I've finally done it. Mm-hmm. And I love those stories, whether they are, I've had people talking about just like day to day, just doing, doing the washing. Instead of leaving it on a pile for a long time, or yeah, or putting it away—that's the thing I struggle yeah, with. Yeah, actually, it was putting it away. <laughs> was, the, was the story that my friend Alice <laughs> talked about? Um, I finally am doing this extension to our house that I've been mm. avoiding doing for the last year. Mm. But also, of course, I finally started the business. I finally started writing. Like I love yeah. reading. I, it's very meaningful to me. You know, people have sent me. Here's this article that I wrote mm. either using the method or just inspired by the method mm. so love Amazing. to hear all of yeah. that from people yeah and I actually have I have one more question so this year you challenged yourself to get on a hundred podcasts is that right so what number am I oh, I don't think I've got it in front of me it's like 60 well you were one of the first people to support that challenge back in <laughs> January I think or February <laughs> and so I'm really grateful to that it's like a, it's not an insignificant thing because it was like I don't know. I think it was like a few days in and you were somebody that I, I think I knew of. I think we had each other on Twitter Mm, or something, but I didn't mm. know. And for someone like you to say, I'm up for this. I was like, oh, maybe it'll actually happen. Um, And that you can find on my website, some stuff about the hundred podcast challenge, because there's some interesting insight in there from other ways I've grown my business. Like these kinds of challenges, if you can hold them lightly enough, yeah, like and obsess about the process and the game and not get too worried about where they lead are fantastic and, and a great example of that is us having this conversation that, that mm. we just wouldn't have had otherwise us connecting who knows what those connect that connection will mean for us in yeah. five years it might be nothing yeah. or it might mean loads yeah so i think we're this is like 60 something okay 
Um, Doing good. So That's I'm a lot of podcasts. Like, yeah, I was thinking about a month ago, six weeks ago, I was like, I'm going to get nowhere near this. And um, actually, I've got like, including the ones that are scheduled in. Now, they won't all happen, of course, because that's life. But I'm up to about 80 already for the, before the end of the year. That's amazing. So it's not impossible now, Sarah. Yeah. It's like the fact that I would have said it was impossible up to about six, yeah, six weeks ago, maybe. Up to maybe, yeah, last month, maybe. So if anyone's listening and has a anyone's listening, happen, please let yeah, me know. Yeah, yeah. Although we're recording this mid-October, you'll probably be listening to it beginning of December, end of November, beginning of December. Well, that'll be like the desperate time, Sarah. Like, <laughs> I never work over Christmas, but if I'm on like 96... <laughs> I'm going to be recording podcasts oh. over Christmas, you know. Yeah. Years, what so, are you um, willing to do to get to that 100 if you were well, on 96? <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things I found. Like, you know, there's this, <laughs> you know, I'm not one to, this may be a just totally legit business, but basically it was like, you know, I've said yes to a lot of things. Like one of the good things about a challenge like this is times when my self-doubt would have stopped me saying yes. Instead, I've just said yes. Times yeah. when my self-doubt would have stopped me reaching out to people. I've reached out to people. And, you know, I've been coached, for example, on YouTube and on people's podcasts. And it's like, I would have said no to that probably for various reasons, but I need to get to my hundred. If I don't <laughs> say yes to this, I've got no chance. But I did have one, which was um, like a women in business summit thing. And they were after speakers. And I was like, I love this cause. I'd love to offer the 12 minute method to them. And then the requirement for an, in I had to pay them 65 quid for them to interview me from which they were going to select the speakers. And I just sat with it for about a few days and I was like, you know, I don't mind paying 65 quid to get to my hundred. Like that's perfectly fine. I've made some unexpected money from the challenge from some yeah. of the things I've been, but the feel that this might be a scam, a way of getting desperate people to pay them 65 quid is and you like might not bit, then get on the... a bit, a bit icky. So I decided that it turned out that was, that was what I was not willing far. to do. Um, so I'm not paying you 65 quid to be interviewed to speak at your summit, even if I desperately need it. Okay. So but my I'm invoice of a thousand isn't going to go down well then. But, but if someone's heard this, they could probably hear that if they said, come on my show, it costs 40 quid. I would probably pay it if it's getting quick. Yeah, you know, it's not a big deal. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this conversation. And um, yeah, definitely go and check out Wobby's website and all the books and podcasts and everything. And uh, yeah, connect with both of us because we really, you know, I'm sure I speak for Wobby as well. We really do love connecting with people who um, listen to what we're chatting on about. So thank you, Wobby. It's been really great. Take care. Thank you for listening. I hope that was useful. I hope you found something that resonated. As we said, do come and find us and share your thoughts with us. We really do appreciate that connection. If you would like to find more out about me, you can go to my website, which is www.sarahfox.co.uk. You can sign up to my newsletter where every week I will send you a reminder that you matter too and offer even more tips and tools for you as you go about making the world a better place, but looking after yourself in the process. All right. Take very good care.